the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Christian churches are not in competition with each other. We're in competition together against the forces of spiritual darkness that want to suppress the knowledge of God. I do need to clarify that I am speaking of Christ-centered, Bible-teaching churches that have godly leadership. If any of these qualifications are missing, then we're not on the same team. More on that interesting thought as we present another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. So glad you could join us. Pastor Sheely is in the book of John. He's starting a new message uh, today as we end the week and begin a new series. Uh, He's in the first chapter still, and uh, as a lead-in to where he's going to begin in just a moment at the 35th verse, let me begin back at verse 32. And John bore witness. Now, this is John the Baptist. Quote, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain... This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Now, we have here two versions of the conversion experience. In the first case, men sought Jesus. Andrew and the unnamed disciple, who we believe was probably the author, chose to follow Jesus. And in the second case, Jesus sought a man. Jesus appointed Philip to follow him. Now, Scripture clearly reveals that salvation is a divine act. The Scriptures describe us as being dead in our sin. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, something that's dead is non-responsive. Something that's dead is so non-responsive, it doesn't even know it's dead. If something, an animal, say, gets killed in the highway and you try to go out and talk to the animal, tell it to move or whatever, it's not going to move because it's non-responsive. It's, it's dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. There was no hope. We were alienated from God. We were hostile towards God. We were enemies of God. We were darkened in our understanding. We were unable to save ourselves, and there would be no salvation possible if it was not for the fact that God provided it. The Bible is also equally clear in claiming that those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have a responsibility to choose a lifestyle that is pleasing to God, by repenting of thoughts, words, and deeds that are displeasing to God. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just being sorry for our sin is not enough. It must be accompanied by repentance. So in this passage, we see an example of men seeking Jesus and an example of Jesus seeking a man. Verse 35, the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. He looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. 
Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. Come and see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So again we see John the Baptist redirecting attention away from himself and towards Jesus. He was not the least bit jealous of Jesus. But John chapter 3 tells us that some of his disciples were jealous of Jesus and the attention Jesus was getting. They perceived the relationship as adversarial, but John the Baptist did not. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. What he was saying, in effect, is we're on the same team and he's more important than I am. Now, often church members and even church leaders can perceive a relationship with another local Christian Bible church as adversarial, and that should never be. Christian churches are not in competition with each other. We're in competition together against the forces of spiritual darkness that want to suppress the knowledge of God. Now, I do need to clarify that I am speaking of Christ-centered, Bible-teaching churches that have godly leadership. If any of these qualifications are missing, then we're not on the same team. Now, the verb here, followed, is in a once-for-all tense. It means that they had committed themselves to him, to Jesus. One of the disciples is subsequently named Andrew. The other name is not given, but from the implications of this passage, it uh, indicates it comes from the viewpoint or perspective of an eyewitness. Uh, The picture of John standing, the look that Jesus gave Peter, the fact that it was the 10th hour. What was the significance of the 10th hour? Well, that was the hour that a transformation took place in a life. Many of us can remember the time or the place where our lives were transformed by Christ. And for this person, it was the 10th hour. Now, these two disciples followed Jesus, and and he turned around, and he, he, he made things easy for them. He said, uh, he asked the most fundamental question. The first question Jesus asked, what are you looking for? What do you want? It's a very relevant question at that time, because were they legalists? looking for some knowledge of the law, that God's law that they could use to manipulate and control other people? Or were they ambitious and wanting to learn some things about God's law that they could use to promote their own business or their own position or their own influence? Or were they nationalists that were looking for some kind of a military leader to dispose of Rome? Or Were they sinful men looking for the forgiveness of God? Behold the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. It was an appropriate question at that time, and it's an appropriate question for us to ask ourselves. If we're following Jesus, seeking Jesus, what are we following for? They called him rabbi. It literally means my great one. It was a title of respect that students would give their teacher. Because the author was writing to both Greeks and Hebrews, he used the Hebrew word, and then he described the Greek word, rabbi, meaning didaskalus, teacher. Uh, One of the disciples asked, where are you staying? That was a a cultural way of inviting oneself over for dinner, which was a way of saying, I want to be your friend. I want us to sit down and commune together. I want us to be able to get acquainted. And Jesus said, come and see. Come and see. It was a formula that rabbis used at that time, inviting someone to sit down and, and let's discuss this together. Let's, 
Let's identify the problem, identify the solution. Let's reveal uh, what can be revealed. Verse 40, one of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Messiah and Christ are the same word, one in Hebrew, one in Greek. And we don't know an awful lot about Andrew, but we know a couple of things from the Scriptures. He was evidently a man who was very comfortable in not being prominent. When you read through the Gospels in the New Testament, he is often called the brother, uh, Simon Peter's brother, the brother of Simon Peter. And uh, people maybe not know who Andrew was, but they knew who Simon was, because Simon was rather a boisterous character. And the four first apostles here were Andrew, who brought his brother Peter, and John, who brought his brother James. And you would have thought that the four of them would be Jesus' inner circle. But when you read through the Scriptures, you find that Andrew was excluded from that inner circle. There was only three, Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, or in the room when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, or were close to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, one might think, well, Andrew would have reason to resent something like that, but there's no indication of that at all in the Scriptures. He seemed quite content to be available to serve Jesus. He just wanted to be with Jesus and do what he could. And he was characteristic. The three times that we know of him in this Scripture, he's always inviting people to come to Jesus. In this first case with his brother Simon, in chapter 6, with the boy and the five loaves and two fishes, in chapter 12, when the Greeks came inquiring. Now, when Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, Jesus looked at Peter. And the word there for looked describes an intense gaze. It's as though Jesus was looking through his eyes into his soul. And when Jesus saw Simon, he said, Your name is Simon, but you're going to be called Cephas, which means a rock. In that ancient world, nearly everyone had two names because Greek was the language of the Roman Empire, and so everybody inherited a Greek name, but they also had their own name in their own language. And so Peter and Cephas is not two different names. It's the same name in two different languages. Now, in the Old Testament, a change of name denoted a new beginning or a new relationship. When God gave somebody a new name, it, mean, it meant that there was a change. Abram became Abraham in Genesis 17. And Jacob, the deceiver, became Israel in Genesis 32. And so it described a new relationship. And there was another aspect to Jesus giving Simon a new name, and that was the assertion of authority. You'll remember in Genesis that God gave the man, mankind authority over his creation. And the, one of the first things that mankind did was to name the animals. Naming is an assertion of authority. And so what Jesus was saying is, Simon, you're my man. You're my man. And you're going to become the rock man. Now, he was anything but a rock. We read through the scriptures, he was more like a marshmallow. Um, he was impulsive. He was volatile. He was unreliable. But what Jesus was saying is, there's going to be a change in you. I'm going to change you. The Holy Spirit is going to change you. And there's, there's something that's really great about this for us because it tells us how Jesus looks at us. He, do, he doesn't look at how we are. He looks at how we can be, what we were created to be, what he created us to be. He says, give your life to me. 
and I'm going to make you what you were made to be. There was a person who came to Michelangelo one day who was chipping away on a piece of rock, and the question was asked of the sculptor, what are you doing? And Michelangelo is said to have said, I am releasing the angel imprisoned in this marble. Now, God is described as the molder of clay, and we're the clay, and he's molding us. Um, sometimes if we get a little hard, instead of molding us, he has to chisel us. But this marshmallow of a man turned into a rock of a man and became one of the great leaders of the church. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And we are wrapping up just the beginning of a new series on this Friday. He'll continue on Monday with more. I hope you can be back, and I hope you'll bring some friends along with you as well. Additional details about the church are available on the website, churchofthehighlands.org. I hope you have a great weekend, and if you're looking for a church home, this might be the perfect weekend for you to visit Church of the Highlands. Join us again on Monday at this same time when we'll be back opening the Word of God with Pastor Leighton Sheely and studying verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.